Well, good morning. As uh, Jeannie and Clay mentioned, uh, we are concluding our Relationship Revival series uh, here at Soul City. Uh, if you kind of missed any of that, you can catch it on the podcast or online, uh, because we've been trying to dive in as best we can, as deep as possible, to sort of the broadest circles of our relationships. We've been looking to God, inviting Him into our friendships, dating relationships, marriages, our family, and seeing what is it that God would want to say to us? What is it that He would want us to do in response to Him? So we've done, if you've been around here the last couple weeks, a lot of assessments. We've done a lot of homework. I mean, you guys have really studied up and done well. So you really should have perfect relationships from here on out, and there should be no more problems. And so what we said along the way was, hey, what we'd love to do is be able to speak a little bit more specifically uh, to some of the questions and things that are coming up within our community. And so we asked you to send in questions, and you sent in awesome, awesome questions, a lot of questions. In fact, so many questions, we're not going to be able to get through all of them, uh, but we're going to really dive in and have God speak to uh, the ones that we feel are most sort of pressing for our community. Because this whole area of relationships, whatever they are, every one of us, as we saw in that video, we all have questions. There's not a single one of us that has just a perfect track record of relationships. There's people we've hurt. People have hurt us. Uh, many of us have, uh, you know, done the dating thing, tried to do it well. Many of us have failed and burned at that attempt. Uh, maybe you're in a marriage where you're trying to figure out how the two people so different kind of work it out. Together for the long haul, you're a parent and you just feel over your head and overwhelmed. Uh, and so all of us have a desire for help. We need help. And the problem is so often is that we find uh, that we just look to uh, whatever's closest to us or whatever we think will get us through. And what we end up settling for so oftentimes in, in the relationships that we uh, you know, most care about is we settle for opinions or tips, or tricks, or the latest book, or the latest trend, when what we really need is wisdom. And that's what I think every one of us needs, we would say. We all have, I mean, you could probably name three or four relationships where you go, I don't know what to do right now with this. What you need and what you're asking for in that moment is not advice. It's not an opinion. It's not some trick to get you through. What you're asking for is wisdom. You know, it's beautiful, and this is why we're here in the church today and why we gather our lives and hearts around the teaching of God's word and his spirit active in our lives is because this is what God says. If you want wisdom, I have it for you. In fact, the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, really simple but powerful promise that God gives you. He says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, which is every one of us, if any one of you lacks wisdom, anyone lacks wisdom, ask God. Don't just ask your friends. Don't just count on the patterns of relationship that have gotten you this far. Don't just react to what your parents did. Ask who? God. Okay, so now we're going to ask you that again, and you're going to answer it like, because like, the answer's on the board, for Pete's sake. <laughs> so who do you ask when you need relationship wisdom? God. God. You ask God, and that's what we're doing this morning. We're going to ask God for wisdom in our relationship, because look, he gives it generously to all without finding fault or without condemning. God doesn't think you're stupid because you don't know how to do relationships. Of course you don't know how to do them well. They're complex, always moving. God says, look, I not only have wisdom for you, my wisdom is so generous that it's not only good for your life, but it can affect your relationships. It can affect those around you. That's how good and generous God's wisdom is. And so this morning... We are going to speak from the perspective of God's wisdom for our life. And when Jeannie and I were planning this out and kind of looking ahead and praying for this community and what we would be teaching on this month, 
we thought, you know, we're only, I know, relationships can be tough. Like, <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. Uh, we knew that we were not smart enough to answer this. And we thought what would be great is we would love to speak from God's word and from our story and our experience, but we wanted some help. And so we reached out to our friend, Scott Gibson, who is a licensed uh, clinical social worker, runs his own counseling practice in Barrington, so just, just northwest suburbs. Scott's been a friend of ours. We've worked with Scott. We trust Scott. Um, we believe in what he's doing. Scott um, is an active marathoner, which we appreciate around this church as the marathon runs right in front of our church. But also, more important than that, active knitter, which is very true. You should see his iPad case. It's awesome. But even more important than all of that, we reached out to Scott Gibson because Scott loves God and has put God at the center of his life and everything he does. And he loves the church. And he longs to see us have relationships that honor God and that are built on God's wisdom, not just the world's opinion. So if you would please welcome up the fabulous Jeannie Stevens and the wonderful Scott Gibson. So what I'd love to do is we're literally just going to, to go through some of the questions that you all sent in. Great questions. And what we knew as we read through these is there's a story behind every one of these questions. And this question may not perfectly represent your situation, but our sense is, as God speaks this morning, we try as best we can to speak from God's heart, that there's going to be something that applies to the relationships you have in your life, in your world. So think through friendships and dating. We're going to start with the friendship area. We'll get to marriage and family, all that kind of stuff. But I would love to start with the friendship uh, area. And Scott, I'd love to ask you to actually kick it off since we brought you here. So uh, this is uh, someone who wrote and said, I have a friend who's very clingy. Oh, and I should say this. Let me hit pause. Let me hit pause on the word clingy. Uh, this is an elbow-free zone. And what I mean by that is when we say something, this is not your opportunity to elbow the person next to you so that they pay attention. And if you just elbowed someone on clingy, y'all just go for a walk. Um, so listen, what we're doing is we want to pay attention to what God has to say to us, okay? So don't worry about the person next to you hearing what they need to hear. Let's just pay attention, ask God to speak his wisdom into our lives. So this person said, I have a friend who's very clingy. They never seem content with the amount of time I've got to offer the friendship. We've talked about this behavior in the past, but nothing's really changed. So at what point do I lovingly step away from this friendship and how? And we could replace the word clingy with all kinds of other sort of adjectives, but how do you navigate a relationship where it's kind of some of the boundaries are hitting the walls there? Yeah, so, uh, so the, the truth about all of us is, is that at times we all are clingy. We're, we're either on one end of the spectrum very clingy or at times like I don't need anybody kind of thing. And we obviously vacillate between those two points. And so um, each one of us has, as, as Jared and Jeannie had talked earlier in previous um, times with you all about how our family of origin taught us how to do relationships. And so again, the principle here that I often talk about there is when you're approaching that kind of thing where you, see, where you can easily see the speck in somebody else's eye mm -hmm. to kind of say, okay, I got to look at the log first in my eye. Why am I... It, maybe you have a pattern of being having clingy people around you, or why do I have such contempt against clinginess kind of thing, you know? What do I do with clinginess in my own life kind of a thing? Because we all have it, you know? Um, and so first, do the work of looking at, in your own story, in your own heart, kind of what's really going on kind of a thing. Uh, invite other people into that conversation. Don't do that alone. 
pray, ask certainly God into that conversation, um, allow them to speak. And then when you go to this person, um, go with kindness, mm. um, go with grace mm. um, and truth. Um, and then I think the other thing too I'd say is, is that oftentimes the truth that you have to offer this person that may be, hopefully you'd have a different word for them than clingy when you approach them. You know what I mean? Because there's some yeah. contempt, even the clingy word, certainly. Yeah. Um, but hopefully you'd be able to like bless and see what's so good in their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and that you would be able to then, like, if you can't meet their need, uh, that you would be able to kind of say, hey, I'm just a human being. Um, I can't, I'm not God. I can't do everything. And you're asking me to do this. Um, I can't. I don't feel like God's um, calling me to do that. Um, but I will pray that God somehow meets that need or want somehow. Um, if they don't hear you, certainly we have lots of, uh, Matthew 18 says, like, get some help. Uh, take another brother or sister with you to help talk to this person, not to condemn or judge, but to really care for this person who's really maybe struggling with something in their own life and story. Yeah. So. Yeah. To start with that ownership piece of going, investigating, hey, God, what's going on in me that this either bothers me so much or that this isn't me but maybe in another way? And when you kind of come from that humble posture, it can really sort of set the conversation in a yep. much better direction. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Uh, all right, so good. Does that fix all your relationship problems? Are we good? Can we just wrap there? Say amen. All right, well, we have a few more great questions that you sent in. Um, Jeannie, I'd love for you to speak to this one. This is uh, about relationships of the opposite sex. So it says... Uh, do true non-romantic friendships actually exist past the age of 12 <laughs> between men and women? So that's clearly a loaded question. There's some stuff there. And so would, would you speak to, to that one? Uh, I would. Yes, they do. And, and yes, they're possible. And I guess what I would say in every relationship, not just a relationship with the opposite sex, I think there's three things that help make a relationship healthy. Uh, that is boundaries, um, that is expectations, and that is communication. And when you have clear established boundaries, uh, when you have clear established expectations, and when you have clear and healthy communication, uh, you can have a thriving relationship with someone of the opposite sex. Um, and I would say it can be a friendship. It doesn't, it doesn't have to teeter into uh, that romantic place. And I have many uh, friends that are of the opposite sex, and they are life-giving friendships to me. They're important friendships to me. In fact, God has used them in my life to transform me, to bring about growth, to, to bring about healthy change. One of the things that I would say about those friendships, for those of you that are married, is if you ever find yourself uh, moving into a, into a posture in a relationship with somebody of the opposite sex, and you want to keep that relationship hidden from your spouse, mm-hmm. that's a gray zone. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that red is, zone. Yeah. That's a red zone, yeah. That is, uh, <laughs> that's a... <laughs> How do you really feel about yeah, I'm that? I'm just saying. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> anyway, continue, Jeannie, continue. <laughs> It's a red zone. And, uh, and so one of the things that, and this is just, and we don't have a perfect marriage, but one of the things that we do is we talk about it. Yeah. And we talk about, I have this friendship. Are you okay if I spend some time with this person? Are you okay if I seek this person's wisdom on this? And so Jared always Absolutely. knows about the relationships that I have with people of the opposite sex. And there, there are a lot of men in, in my life that have been really helpful um, 
that have really helped me grow. And so for him to just say to me, no, that is not okay, um, there's something going beneath the surface there that we would need to talk about and we would need to, and he would need to say, I don't feel comfortable with that friendship or I want to talk about that friendship. And so we've just had a practice in our, in our marriage to make sure that we have really healthy boundaries. Um, there are always things, you know, when I have a conversation with somebody of the opposite sex, yeah, I always oh, tell yeah. Jared about it. He always knows. Um, and so there's, there's safety and there's trust and there's communication. When you get into that secret place and you want to keep it hidden, uh, that is when, uh, that is fertile territory for the enemy to do great work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's how it ends. And I'll just quickly add to that. I am, I am so grateful for mm-hmm. the guys that are part of my wife's relationship mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. I thank God for Jeff Henderson. I mean, I think of the way that the two of you connect as leaders and as friends and you know, I thank God for our, our friend Josh. I thank God for your friend Kyle. I thank mm-hmm. God, like, for your friend John. Like, these are guys that I have friendship with. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's not, the, the, I am grateful because, I, I, you know, I see how much better your life is because of that. And it would be incredibly either naive or arrogant of me to think that I'm the only male relationship you need in your life. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. That's just not, I, I couldn't possibly do that. It's just not even possible. So um, I think that is, that is huge. Whether you're married or... Or single, that still applies. All right, uh, let's move into some on family and, and parenting. A lot of great questions here, and a lot of, you know, we've taught on this a couple weeks ago. We talked about how our family of origin shapes our future relationships. Uh, this is one, um, how do I have a healthy relationship with an unhealthy person in my family? I, I know, again, I know you don't have that in your family. Uh, you may be going to a barbecue with them in a couple hours, but... Um, <laughs> And the question here is, here's the real question. Do I dig into the conflict or do I just let it slide to keep the peace? Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure maybe you've tried both strategies, right? And the easier one on the surface is to sort of, as this person used, to try and keep the peace. And I just would say, you know, according to the teachings from God's word, there's a huge difference between keeping the peace and making peace. Keeping the peace is sweeping something under the rug and hoping that it doesn't come back. And then after a while, you have a giant hill in your, under your rug in your bedroom. Making the peace is walking into a difficult relationship with truth and love and saying, look, I, I want to actually have peace, not pretend peace. I want to actually have peace as much as it depends on me. Uh, the small group that Clay and I are a part of, you mentioned earlier, uh, went, went through a book called The Me I Want to Be by John Ortberg fantastic book, The Me I Want to Be. And one of the chapters we got to in this last round of small groups is called The Gift of Difficult People. Mm-hmm. And there's this, it's just this beautiful wisdom on that God actually uses the difficult people in your world, in your family. He actually has opportunities to grow you even through them. Mm-hmm. And so we sort of talked about, even quasi-role-played, like, okay, who's a difficult person in your relational world? How would you handle a healthy, God-honoring conversation with them? And so we kind of went around. This is a guy's small group, like, oh, don't be weird. Like, you know, we had to like <laughs> kind of push through that a little bit. And, and so the one I did was the person who's a part of my family. And I'd never until that moment thought that we had an unhealthy relationship, but I recognized in that moment that there was an unhealthy pattern in our relationship. And so I did the best I could. You know, I, I would say this to him and I would say, look this, and I would try and be very clear about this. Well, God in his loving kindness allowed me to actually have that conversation shortly thereafter with a member of my family. And while we were hanging out and talking, I was like, I have a moment here. I can just try and keep the peace or I can go after it and say, God, will you help me make peace 
so that our relationship is more full and life-giving. And I, th- this is something I run from as much as possible. I, I resist this kind of conflict as much as possible. I just felt God prompted me to trust him in that moment. So I just said, you know, we kind of talked for about an hour. I'm like, hey, can I, can I bring something up that I haven't been very honest with you about? Every time that we've talked or hung out over the last year or so, I've left feeling this way about you. And I kind of went into it. And I said, I want to tell you, I'm sorry that I haven't told you that. Here's what I really want to tell you. I want to have the kind of friendship and relationship where we, and I kind of try to lay it out as best I can, where we both do this and we both do that. And I said, I really think that's possible for us. Are you interested in that too? And it was a little awkward. You you know, he was like, uh, yeah. And then was followed with, I'm so sorry. I didn't even see that. I didn't even know that. And I just thought what happened in that moment was, I think I extended the life of our relationship. God extended the life of our relationship that much more because we walk, I walked into it as best I could and said, God, help me. Now listen, there are some people in your life, and I know you've seen this and, and we've seen this. There, there are people in your life that are not only um, unhealthy, they're toxic. And there may be people in your life that you look at and go, I can try as best I can to speak the truth in love, give clear, healthy expectations. This person, though, is actually not only like an unwise person, they are, as the Bible calls, a fool. They're not only a fool, they are what the Bible calls evil. And the best thing in that strategy, consistent with the teaching of the Bible, is to love from a distance. And to get your distance and say, look, I've explored, I've tried to understand what I bring to the table. It is unhealthy for me to be around this person, so I truly am going to choose to be at a distance from this person because to be together is going to stir up too much pain or unhealth or toxicity in our relationship. And so there are definitely some. Don't assume that every one of your relationships is that. Push in and see if there's a path that God is paving for peace, as much as it depends on you. Mm-hmm. So uh, anything else on that? It's good. It's good. I thought so. <laughs> uh, uh, this, okay, this is one on uh, sort of on comparison and judging. So, uh, th- this person writes, now that I'm a parent... I feel this actually applies beyond just those who are parents, so you can listen to this through whatever lens. Now that I'm a parent, I feel and find myself judging or comparing myself to other parents, either judging them for how they parent or comparing myself and feeling like I'm worse. How do I not get stuck in this comparison trap? Hmm. You want to speak to that? Sure. Uh, and I actually have an interesting experience where this just happened to me this week. Uh, a friend of mine invited me over, and uh, she had invited a couple other women over, and we were cooking and in her kitchen, and I looked up, and she had this incredible chalkboard in her kitchen. And on the chalkboard were the names of all three of her children, and she had Monday through Sunday on there, and she had all of their responsibilities, and it was called the Responsibility Board. And she had a verse written on there, and there was, like, beautiful paintings on there that her children had done, And I'm sitting in our kitchen, and I'm cutting carrots, and we're talking, and I'm looking out at this this responsibility board, and literally what started to come over me was, Tracy's a better mom than I am. She is is a much better mom. And that is literally truth. I'm cutting carrots thinking, Tracy's a better mom. And I don't have a responsibility board. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Elijah and Gigi, I already know they're going to be in counseling, but now this is going to cost a lot more money. Um, And I literally, I started internally getting buried um, by the responsibility board. And I had a moment. This is 
the truth. I had a moment in her kitchen where I decided, I'm going to choose to learn from Tracy right now, and I'm going to choose to celebrate her. And so I, I, by the grace of God and through the work of the Holy Spirit, said, Holy Spirit, would you pull me up, and would you give me the power to ask this question right now? And instead of living in the turmoil of comparison, would you pull me up to the joy that comes from celebration? And this is my internal dialogue as I'm cutting carrots, okay? No, none of the other women know that I'm doing this in the kitchen. And so I just, the Holy Spirit brought me up, and I said, Tracy, tell me about the responsibility board. And she began to tell me about, you know, what they do in their family and how they're memorizing this verse and how the kids have these responsibilities. And I said, where did you learn that, and how do you do that, and how does it work? And, and, and so I began to, to put myself in the posture of a learner and to learn from this woman who is a great, great, great mom. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then at the end of it, I decided, I'm going to bless her. Um, yeah. I'm going to just bless her and say, Tracy, you are an amazing mom. Like, you just taught me a really important thing. And I'm really grateful. And um, I, I mean, I didn't take her down the rabbit trail of I sat here for 10 minutes cutting carrots and comparing myself to you. But I just, um, it was an opportunity it was an opportunity for the Holy Spirit to pull me up out of comparison. And I would say that happens not just in parenting. It happens in yeah. marriage. It happens in friendship. Yeah. Um, when you feel yourself going down that path, um, it's an awesome moment to say, Holy Spirit, what is the truth? Um, what is the truth? Because whenever you compare, two things happen. You either become better than the other person or less than the other person. And, and, and it never is the beauty of the body of Christ in that moment. So that, I speak from somebody that just failed at this on Thursday, so I do not speak as a, as a resident expert, but those are some of the things that I'm learning, is the joy of celebration and yeah. the joy of seeking to learn. Well, go ahead. Well, what's, what's just hit me, too, is what you, what you saw in her was something that God put in her. Mm-hmm. And we are so made in the image, image of God that when we get close to that, mm. watch for contempt mm. because you also bless your mm. desire to mm. also mm. be who God made you to be. Mm. You know what I mean? And so, like, it's, it's kind of interesting that, like, here you are close to this woman's glorious responsibility mm. board in her parenting, <laughs> you know what I mean? And you get invited to can have self-contempt for you, mm-hmm. you know? And so what a wonderful way to kind of, yeah. like, Switch bless it, yeah. you, your right. desire yeah. to want to be the mom you are, mm. And her, too. You know, yeah. it's, just, it's, 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 it's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Great job, Jenny. I asked Tracy to make me a responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. I celebrate. That's right. You put it to work. It's good. Uh, I'd, love to, I'd love to jump to marriage if we could. Uh, it's wedding season, and uh, many of us will be attending, or, or maybe your uh, wedding is, is coming up, or... You've been married now for a little while, and uh, you realize it's a lot more work than you thought it was going to be. And um, I, would, I would love to uh, speak in uh, to this idea. Scott, maybe you can speak into this. Uh, this person writes, uh, certainly there's an aspect of mutual submission to each other's needs in marriage. So there's a coming together. Is there a point where individuality is stifled for mutual engagement in marriage? In, in other words, in us becoming one, do I have to lose something of me? For us to become one, do I get lost in the equation? If so, how can we protect our individuality but still maintain a healthy oneness yeah. in marriage? So my wife and I are celebrating 30 years this year. I don't That's know awesome. how we got there, but we <laughs> did. Okay, 
Um, and here's the thing that I've seen in 30 years is, is there are many more times. When we walked down the, the aisle 30 years ago, our desire was to share that oneness and to submit and serve each other and love each other as best we know how. That was what was clear for both of us. But there have been many, many, many more moments where we don't. Mm-hmm. And that's reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you live in this tension, um, certainly because we're human, of, of, of learning to give a lot of grace to each other. Um, and again, in that tension, when you have your spouse wanting to, ha- to have you serve um, him or her, um, again, that tension is like, God, what's, what, what do I do here? Because at times, it's, it's no problem. But there are those times where it's just like, oh, I'm a runner and a knitter. Now you all know. Um, <laughs> there are times where it is the best thing for me to do is to go run 20 miles on a weekend. You know, that is the best thing for my soul, for our marriage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And yet she might have some things that we need to negotiate around kind of a thing, you know, and vice versa. Um, and again, what I think that often brings us that tension into is, a, is another opportunity. Just like a p- comparison thing is, is like, when we bump into that thing where it says, like, I can't meet all of my, all of my spouse's needs, you know? And women, women tend to have a core thing around I'm too much, and men often have a core thing of that I don't have enough, you know? And so get used to it. Um, buckle up. Um, have the conversations. Um, and you will find life in those kind of conversations, you know? Haven't you found, Scott, I know Gene and I have found this too, and we can have that healthy conversation and very clear expectations that when I sort of hold on to those things that are life-giving, not just that I want to do, but that are actually life-giving to who God created me to be, and I maintain those, and at times negotiate or fight for those to make sure I actually bring something back better to our oneness because I'm more whole and more who God created me to be, and we're better because of me fighting for and making sure that I... Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and on the contrary, if you tend to be, some of us tend to be more uh, fighters for that, and some of us more like give up of that. So mm-hmm. if you tend to be on the other end of the spectrum, where you easily give up what you want um, by fighting for it, then when you do give up something, your spouse really gets, oh my oh, goodness, yeah. my love, my wife loves scrapbooking. She gave up a scrapbooking weekend to run a marathon with me. That meant the world to me, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. That's an so amazing. Just, that's an amazing wife. Yeah, but it, she <laughs> had she not fought for that. Right. I, yeah, right. I'm impressed. Where were you when I ran the marathon last year? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> well, there's October's coming. Right? October yeah. is coming. That's right. That's it right. Is. All right, one more on marriage, and I'd love for us to speak to dating. Uh, boy, this is there's a there's a profoundness to the simplicity of this question. Why is it so easy to fall in love? and so hard to stay in love. Mm. So why is it so easy to fall in love and into a marriage relationship and hit the ground running? Why is it so hard to stay in love? I don't know if you want to speak to that or we can both speak to that. Sure. Uh, well, falling, just falling is pretty easy. Yeah. Um, you could fall on your way out here today. You could, <laughs> you could trip over something or somebody could, you know, get in your way. Falling is, is very simple. It's the work of marriage that uh, is the beauty of what God described when he gave the beautiful symbol of Jesus and the church. And uh, staying in love requires lots and lots and lots of commitment. 
It requires prayers. It requires forgiveness. It requires um, choosing to give up the word, um, you always do this, or you never do this. It requires saying I statements first. Uh, It requires having a vision for your marriage. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think one of the things Jarrett and I are even learning 15 years in is that and, and we love being married. We love our marriage. Um, but you can just sort of coast, too, mm-hmm. in marriage. And any great thing in life requires a vision. And it requires hard work to accomplish that. And uh, I think it's unfortunate when I see friends of mine, and they've just sort of coasted for a while, and they've found ways to just say, you know, we just don't like the same things anymore. We just... You know, we've grown apart or we've, you know, just not sort of, you know, gone down the same trajectory of life. Well, of course, drifting and falling is super easy. It's super easy. But working hard towards something that has an awesome vision, like a marriage, you think about the symbolism of the church and Jesus and and that that is what we are modeling to the world. Um, it's, It's awesome when you work hard at it. It's not easy, no. um, but it's awesome when you work hard at it. Well, I think we've found, too, in, in the premarital counseling that we've been able to be a part of, um, the couples who are willing before they get married to do the work have a greater chance of sustaining and continuing yeah. to do the hard work of marriage. Uh, we've been with couples, and I, I've kind of sensed, uh, you know, I've had to say, I think we need to hit pause on this marriage. I think you need to send out a little thing We've actually had some couples respond to that and say, you need to hit pause. There's some work to be done. Because if you're not willing to do it now, it's going, life only gets more complex and harder. And so I think of David and Ashley's wedding that, you know, we get to celebrate this next weekend. They have committed themselves to hard work in their relationship. Not perfect. Certainly not perfect. And there's going to be a lot more harder things to come. They have committed themselves. I think of Doug and Nicole who are here. How hard. We had to tell them actually slow down and have a little bit more fun. Because they were working so hard in their relationship. And I just think that makes, it sets you up well to say from the very beginning, let's have these kind of hard conversations. Let's give a vision, a God-honoring vision for our marriage. So, good. All right, let's do a dating question. Uh, This is two questions. If it's okay, I'll I'll put these into one. Uh, The questions are, what are are some ideas on healthy pacing in a dating relationship? So, how do you avoid too much too soon? And, And how do you set appropriate signals and signs that you're interested in someone? So again, not a problem for our church, but this is for those who are listening online that maybe know someone. But how do you sort of pace well when you are interested in someone and, and it, all that kind of stuff can get in the way? What would you say, Scott? Well, uh, like you talked about uh, a couple weekends ago, how we all learn to relate in our family of origin. We got taught a style of relating. And so some, for some of us, um, we dive quickly and cling on to relationships. And so when the first flicker of, of, of interest comes our way, we are hearing wedding bells kind of mm-hmm. a thing. And for others of us, uh, because of what happened in our story, um, we even see a flicker and we're in the next state kind of a thing, you know. <laughs> so, and there's a lot of ground in between, certainly. So again, the important thing, to, the important thing with this question is to know your story. Know what has happened and know how God has worked and what, how the past has shaped your heart. And so that you can go walking into a relationship clear about what you're bringing into that, whether it's uh, fear to, uh, of a relationship or fear not to be alone kind of a thing. Mm. Um, 
and have others speak into into that other than just the one you're interested in too. I mean, uh, we all have blind spots like you talked about that one week and it's just like, you know, invite lots of other people uh, to do this with you. Yeah. That's one of the gifts that small groups can be in a circle can be is they can, you know, you can say, I'm thinking of doing this. And they go, don't ever do that. You know, they can kind of yeah. speak into that and, and, and offer maybe some, you know, some hopefully some biblical wisdom. You have mm. to add to that. I, I think one of the things that I pray for for our church often is for those of, of us in the, in the single and the dating category that God would uh, grow the ability to send healthy signals. Mm-hmm. And uh, our world and our society has taught us how to send very unhealthy signals um, and has taught us how to send messages to one another when we're interested that set a foundation for that relationship most likely to never flourish. Uh, when you send a message that needs a Morris code to detect <laughs> to somebody of the opposite sex, that's not a great way to start the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but to send a signal and to send a message to be able to say, I find you very interesting. I would like to get to know you. That's a very healthy signal to send. Um, I find you attractive. I would like to spend some time with you. Would you be okay with that? Um, that's another very healthy thing to say and a signal to send. Um, I really enjoy your perspective. I'm giving hints here. Um, I, really, I really enjoy your perspective on things and how you think. Could we spend some time? Could we get some coffee? Could I take you to dinner? Um, all these things, very healthy things to do. Um, when it's confusing and when somebody has to sit down and go, he said this, what does that mean? Um, and I've been in some of those conversations. That is not good uh, foundation for the relationship to continue on. Uh, and, and you can work through those things. And, you know, we've had plenty of unhealthy signals that we've sent back and forth and all of that. But the more you can move towards sending healthy signals, um, your desires are good things. The desires that God has placed in your heart, they're from him. That's a good thing to desire relationship with someone else and learning how to communicate that desire. I desire to spend more time with you. That's a great thing to say. It's a really healthy thing to say. And you might feel like robotic saying it at first, <laughs> but it's a really, really good way in friendship, in, in family relationship, um, to speak your desires and to speak them in healthy ways is going to set the trajectory of that relationship in much better uh, space. Yeah, good. Well, there's more questions, but um, we're going to hit pause for right now. And what we'll do is we'll, uh, tonight at the 5, why don't you just come back? And um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll continue to kind of work through some of these. And you can go back and listen online as we try as best we can to speak from God's heart uh, for biblical, spiritual practical wisdom for our relationships. But uh, for right now, can we thank Jeannie and Scott Gibson for being with us You know, we, uh, I'm going to invite the band to, to come back up, and we're, we're going to just continue to center our hearts around God and His uh, great love for us. Um, I read a, a minute ago from James 1.5, where God says, if any of you lacks wisdom, Ask, ask me, ask me. And what James goes on to say again and again and again throughout that book 
is uh, this theme that if you just hear what God says and aren't willing to do it, then you're a fool. And James lays down a challenge that I'm really excited about. In fact, for the month of September, we're going to teach nothing but the book of James. And I'm excited for us to get to that together because there's some very practical wisdom when it comes to our faith relationship with God. But what we're going to see over and over through that book is he says, look, this is what faith is. It puts these things into action. It takes God's wisdom. It takes God's way. And it says, I am now going to do that. It takes the moments that we share in here and it becomes movement in our life and in our relationships. And so my encouragement, if not challenge to you this weekend, is as you've heard us talk about a bunch of different questions and scenarios and God maybe spoke into, you went, oh man, that's me. I have a relationship like that. Or even better yet, I have a responsibility to my relationship like that. We would strongly encourage you, one of the greatest ways for you to grow your faith as a next step is to act on what God has spoken this morning to really not let your head hit the pillow one more day, to make a phone call even, or maybe when you see the person today at a barbecue, or maybe they're here at this church, and you say, hey, you know what, can we have a conversation? And it's not going to go perfectly. It'll never go as perfectly as you want it to in your head. But it's a way for you to say, God, I actually want to trust you and grow in my relationship with you through these relationships that I have. So our encouragement to you is, as you've heard God speak this morning, his wisdom, will you act and respond to it today. I want to pray for you and for us, and then we'll sing and celebrate about God's great love for us. But would you join me in a prayer right now and listen to, as Scott said and Jeannie said, that our own story. Maybe you just think about relationships that are in your life right now or a part of your story, your past, and go, God, is there any place, is there any space that you're inviting me to respond to you, to make that first move, to be that friend? to be that spouse, to be that boyfriend or girlfriend, to be that family member that makes a move towards peace or truth or growth or vision for that relationship. God, I pray, I pray for Jeannie and Scott and I and every one of us on the stage that we would not be willing to say something that we're not willing to do ourselves, that we would not speak an inch past where we're willing to live ourselves. And God, I pray that for our whole church. God, I know how it delights your heart when we grow in our relationship with you through the relationships we have here on earth. It's no accident, God, that we're in the circles we're in. And you actually have something for us and for our relationships, and God, even for this world, to see through how we glorify you, how we literally give you praise, how we cry out and call out to you to be the Lord, not only of our lives, but of our relationships as well. God, I pray that that would be true of us, that as you've spoken, as we've heard you speak this morning, that we would now go and do and become more and more and more of who you've created us to be. Not perfect, God, still fumbling, still stumbling, but taking steps closer and closer and closer to you. May that be true of us, God. May it be true not just of the songs we sing, but the way we live. We pray this all in your name and according to your love. Amen.